Whitney. I'm Danielle. And we are the founders of Sakara Life, on a mission to nourish your body and transform your life. Sakara is a Sanskrit word that describes the action of turning your thoughts into things and manifesting your reality. We believe that who we surround ourselves with, what we watch, what we listen to, what we eat, the information that we take in, impacts the way we think and therefore who we are. The conversations that follow are with bold thinkers who have had an impact on how we view the world, ourselves, and what it means to live the Saqqara life. The intention of these conversations is to push each of us to greater heights so that we can turn our thoughts into things and all shine our light a little brighter. We are so excited to be on this journey with you. Welcome to the Sakara Life. Also, please note we are recording from our homes via Zoom, so please forgive us for any sound issues. Well, I'm excited for today's episode, Wit, especially given the timing. You are about to give birth. We're on the countdown. We're in like two weeks away. Yeah, on the countdown. Wow. So today, Whitney and I will be talking all things pregnancy, motherhood, not just, you know, nutrition and tips, but also, you know, how we're feeling and what we've learned and what's coming up for us. So even if you're not pregnant, (laughs) or not having kids, we hope that you enjoy the episode. Yeah, so many clients come to us with questions about eating for fertility and nutrition during pregnancy and breastfeeding. So we will touch a little bit on that, but we really also want to talk about the spiritual and emotional side of the journey, that this is a big transition from maiden to mother. And we're both in it right now. So when else would be a better time to talk about it than right now? Yeah, except I, I lost my maiden self a few years ago. <laughs> well, you still feel like a maiden to me, Danielle. Thanks, Wit. I actually wrote a piece for Well and Good on this because the transition from maiden to mother was so profound for me and unexpected. I think I knew I always wanted children, but I wasn't one of those people that was like, you know, I need to have kids now or, you know, counting down the days or I didn't really think about it much until it was kind of happening. So I didn't really think about kind of what I would be leaving behind. I was only really thinking about what was ahead kind of as I was pregnant or around the time where we started thinking maybe we were ready but it's a it's a big transition from pre-motherhood into motherhood. And I think motherhood starts, you know, the minute you decide you're ready or for those of you that maybe <laughs> didn't make that decision and just ended up pregnant, I think it starts the minute that you're pregnant. And you said you didn't realize what you'd be leaving behind. What do you feel like you left behind in this transition? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's inherently a bad thing, but I think anytime there's a transformation, then you are shedding some version of your older self and becoming the new. And, you know, there's not a lot of discussion around the changes a woman goes through. 
in terms of, you know, there's, there's some, there's some talk around physically, sure, but not emotionally, not spiritually, not kind of identity. Yeah. And, you know, I think self-care for women is typically difficult anyway. I think women have a tendency to put themselves second, even before their mother. Yeah. Second, if we're lucky. And so I think the transition into motherhood is one of really realizing that it's, you know, it's time to put yourself first, but now, and especially once you give birth, it's like, it's even harder. So I think one of the big transitions for me was realizing that, that there was a part of me that I was leaving behind and it was the the part of me that was, wow, this is hard to word, put into words. I guess it was a shedding of the me that didn't have to think about things like self-care could like, I could just think of something during in the evening and be like, oh, I'll do that. You know, there, there wasn't a lot of planning. It was a little more effortless. Yeah. And I go think with that, the flow. I think that effortless go with the flow manifests and comes to life in so many ways. So I'm talking about self-care, but you know, you could talk about feeding yourself. You could talk about sex. You could talk about going out with friends, like all of that. Yeah. All of that really starts to shift. And when I first, when I first started realizing I was shedding my maiden self, there was a mourning period and Mm. I didn't know if that was normal. I didn't know if that was like, okay. You know, does it mean I love this child less because I'm feeling sad about losing my old self? Obviously, and and thankfully, the conclusion was no, of course not. But I had to go through the process and that mourning process. And I I don't know if that's talked about enough. Yeah. And I really loved you did a post on your Instagram about can you be sexy and be a mother? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something also that is not talked about. And being sexy and being seen as a sexual being while being a mother, I think in the past was almost looked down upon or, you know, there was some shame around that. And I think now, you know, with this new wave of mothers coming through saying, I can still be my same self. I am still a woman. I am still a sexual being. Maybe even more so. Yeah, and that's how this baby came to be about. I think that's an interesting topic to touch on, that you know, people can feel bad and feel like they need to change their clothes and how they act in the world to be this new mother figure. What do you think about that? I think coming from a place where I had a lot of issues around my physicality, my body, my relationship to my body, feeling sexy in my body, you know, that, that was kind of my adolescent experience and up until my early twenties until Sakara. And so I think I, I was nervous that pregnancy was going to bring some of that up because I had spent a lifetime getting to know and love the body I had. And now it was about to completely morph into something that I didn't even know what it, what it would look or feel like. But I have to say that I have a 
new reverence for my body and new love and new appreciation. And I think I feel sexier in my body now than I ever have before. I think motherhood helped me feel really not just sexy in my body, but really proud of my body and like feel really good in my skin. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like it's done for you? Do you feel like, do you feel like you've mourned a maiden past or have feelings about that? Not necessarily. I think especially because we're living in the pandemic right now. And so I feel like my lifestyle has shifted anyway. Mm -hmm. That maybe if everything was going on outside and my friends were going out and going to parties and doing all of these things and I was sitting out in order to take care of my body and this baby that I might feel differently. But I think because everything is shut down and everybody's in this kind of quiet home mode. Everyone's lost their maiden selves. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're we're all kind of like boring parents right now. And so I'm really enjoying that. I, you know, I don't feel any type of FOMO out there and which I'm really grateful for because I'm bad at saying no to things. I'm bad at putting up those barriers for myself, those boundaries. And so it would be difficult for me to say no to all the different events that usually we get scheduled for and after work drinks and dinners and all of these different types of things. And um, I don't have to say no to any of those things right now. I just get to stay at home and focus on relaxing and work and the thing family and things that are important what do you feel like has been kind of a surprising lesson or I do think that what you're talking about with appreciation for my body is something that yeah it's something that I also feel like I've put on 50 pounds now and you know Normally that would be like, whoa, that's, <laughs> that's a lot of weight. Like, you know, it's, it's been slow. It's been nine months now. And so this is, I look at myself in the mirror and say, oh, that's me. But if I compare myself to photos from like this time last year, I'm like, wow, I'm a completely different person. So I think, you know, in normal times, I would be like, ah, who is this person? What is this body? But instead, I feel really good. And yeah, I'm really proud of this body. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's wild. I think maybe touching on a little bit of your journey to get here could be really powerful for everyone listening. Because I think... There are so many struggles that we all go through to go from who we were to bringing a life into this world. And they're very personal, but I wish that we all talked about them more because I think every woman has her version of how she struggled. Yeah. And if it's not before, maybe it's during or after. Yeah, exactly. That the... The struggle comes in at some point because it really is a journey. Yeah, for me, I'd say, you know, coming into it, like, so 
when we decided we were going to get pregnant, we got pregnant on the first try and I was very excited and everything was going great. Went to my first appointment, which was around eight or nine weeks. And, you know, heartbeat looked good. Baby looked good. And my doctor told me, great, you're, you know, pretty much in the clear now that majority of people past this point are safe and good. Like your chances look really good. And so I was really excited, already thinking about baby and what our life was going to look like and naming and all of these different things. And then this was how long ago? This is two years ago. And then, you know, we went to our nuchal translucency appointment, which is around 11 and a half weeks. And there was no heartbeat. Yeah. I also feel like, like I talked about mourning my maiden self, I feel like, and how there's not enough space held for that. Like, I think there's also not enough space held for miscarriages or pregnancies that don't go as planned. You know, I, I had an early miscarriage that was, was really rough, but I wasn't trying to get pregnant and I was young and, you know, all the things, but it was still really hard. And I don't think that we get to talk about it enough and how painful it is. And yeah. I, th- I think in that, then we don't grieve enough. Yeah. And I think for me, you know, I didn't really want to talk about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's still difficult for me to talk about. But I think that is why I haven't felt ready to talk about it yet because it is still so sensitive and emotional. And like my logical brain can say, this is something that is absolutely natural. This is absolutely normal. I think every single woman that I know who has a child has had a miscarriage. Every single one. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy because if you were to ask, you know, somebody who doesn't have a lot of mom friends, they would have no idea that that's a thing. And even, you know, I was just talking to a friend two weeks ago who she was eight weeks pregnant and had a miscarriage and she was shocked and she was devastated and she had no idea that this was a thing and that it was a normal thing. She was like, why is nobody talking about this? And I said, you know, well, I'm sorry I haven't talked to you about it because it's really hard. It's really painful. Yeah, like I said, my logical brain can say this is completely normal, this is completely natural, but my emotional body and my emotional brain is like, you lost a child. Yeah, it's a loss. It's a physical loss. It's a spiritual loss. It's an emotional loss. And, you know, my husband, who's typically very supportive, was, I was surprised where he was like, it was never really a baby. It was, I was like, that's so surprising coming from you. But I think one of the reasons it's really difficult to talk about is because you just can't understand until you've been through it. Because if you haven't been through it, the logical brain kicks in and the logical brain says exactly what you're saying. And even Dr. Aviva Ram, who we'll probably reference a lot today, 
and if you haven't listened to our podcast with her, it's worth a listen. But, you know, she was one of our guides through through my pregnancy. And I know she's been helpful to Whitney as well. And, you know, she says, like, you should think of miscarriages as like a healthy part of the road to creating life that there's so many things that have to go on to bring life into this world that if a couple things go awry then that means that your body and your body recognizes it that that means like everything is working actually and she's like I, I she, one of her hopes was that she could reframe kind of the story around miscarriage because I think it's typically associated with like what's wrong with me Mm-hmm. And it's almost always on the woman, like, right. Yeah. And that was something that Dr. Robin Burson said, you know, I saw her afterward and she did all these different blood checks, genetic checks, just making sure that, that there wasn't something in me to be more prone to miscarriage. And she said, you have to remember that you're 50% of this equation that yes, you bring the egg, but that there's another partner. You're actually one third of the equation. You know, there's you, (laughs) there's your partner, and then there's this baby spirit that has to come into play as well. Yeah. And so I think as women, we do take on most of the, the emotion around it and feeling, you can absolutely feel guilty and feel responsible, but you have to, to look at the whole picture and all, like you're saying, all the different factors that go into it. It truly is a miracle yeah. to happen. Yeah, everything has to go right. And so what happened after your miscarriage? So my body wasn't acting like a miscarriage yet. It wasn't recognizing that it wasn't a viable pregnancy. And so my doctor suggested a DNC procedure which to remove the fetus. So that involves getting put under general anesthesia and having it removed, which is also a a pretty, can be a, it's a thing, you know, going to the hospital, getting put under and being dilated. Yeah. And coming out of that. And then after that, I had a lot of bleeding for about six weeks And I think along with that, just so many emotions. Because also, you know, you're carrying these pregnancy hormones with you for all these months. (laughs) Yeah, and they're strong. They are strong. And they want you to love that child. And so I think, you know, my body was also trying to release some of those hormones. Yeah. And yeah, I think... It took a while for me to, for my body to heal, for me to heal emotionally, to be ready to move on and try again. And you had, like, it took you, I think, longer than, I don't know, maybe that you would have liked. Although, on the other hand, I think it's also what you're saying, which is, were you actually ready, even though you were, quote, trying to have a baby again? Do you think that that emotional part of grieving the loss of the first pregnancy got in the way of conceiving? Or do you think it just like that you were just kind of believing in divine timing? Because I remember you had, even even though it was hard 
for you. I could tell. I mean, obviously, you also had, you didn't have a lot of worry that you wouldn't get pregnant. Mm -hmm. And I think that's rare because I think if I were in that situation, like even though I might have like a guiding voice saying it's going to be okay, it's really hard to listen to that in the face of not getting pregnant when you try having to deal with the miscarriage. I know you talk to fertility doctors. Like, can you talk us through that part of the journey? Yeah. So after I felt like, okay, let, I, I stopped bleeding and let's get back on, on this and let's try again. It just, it wasn't happening. And I, a friend recommended that I see her fertility doctor who helped her get pregnant. She ended up going down the IVF path. And I thought, you know, it doesn't hurt to have another expert opinion in the mix, testing my hormone levels, being able to tell me when exactly I was ovulating, these types of things. And so I went to see, you know, he's one of the top fertility doctors in New York City. And I was pretty put off by the whole experience, honestly. Like, I think that IVF and what this doctor does is absolutely amazing and incredible and absolutely a miracle that we're able to use this type of science and technology to help women. But my experience was not that. So he takes, you know, your, your blood and measures the, the typical hormones, your AMH, which they, what's the word I'm looking for? Like that, that's kind of measuring what they, they say is your egg count, like how many eggs you have reserve. in your body. Yeah, your, your ovarian reserve. Uh, they test your FSH levels. They, you know, they, do a, they test a number of different types of hormones in your body and then kind of estimate like how likely are you to get pregnant on your own. And essentially, you know, this doctor who's sitting in a position of authority was telling me, look, like your hormones aren't great. You're basically, you know, even though you're 33 years old, you have the hormones of a, a 40 plus year old woman and you're likely not going to get pregnant on your own. Just face the facts, kid. Like this is the way it is. And that's insane that somebody would say that. And yeah, basically saying like your body's broken this isn't going to happen. And luckily for me, you know, I think through Sakara and all of our learnings and our community and having this support system of saying what I think I create and how, you know, thoughts do create things, that I put up a wall around myself and said, you know, I do not want these thoughts to enter my brain. Like, and I, I, I sat there in the doctor's office and I said, you cannot talk to me like that. <laughs> like I pointed at him and I said, you cannot talk to me like that. And he said, look, I just want you to know the truth so that you can move forward. And, and you know, that we're not sitting here again next year. Totally. He wasn't trying to hurt. He's trying to help, no. but it's a disempowering conversation. Exactly. And, and that's what I said. I said, I understand that. And you're trying to like instill a little bit of fire under me, but that that's, that this is not how I want to be talked to. And that you have to understand that your words are powerful 
and that they have an effect on how I think. And how you think about yourself, like what you believe about yourself. And now for a quick break. Today, we are so excited to tell you about one of our newest products, the Foundation Prenatal. As a pregnant mama, I couldn't find a product on the market that was both comprehensive and clean. So we had to make it ourselves. The Foundation Prenatal includes everything you know a prenatal should have, plus so much more. It contains a superfood-based multivitamin and algae omega, choline for baby brain development, macro minerals, our complete probiotic formula, and of course, if you are a Saccharolite, you know you love our greens. So we included a super green supplement in there as well. And just like we have such high quality standards when it comes to our Sakara Life nutrition program and the food we're putting into our bodies, we come to these supplements with the same level of standards of quality and cleanliness we really couldn't find anything out there on the market that met those standards. And so we had to create these. Any time of your life, it's important to be putting clean ingredients into your body, but especially during this time when you are building a life inside of you or feeding a life straight from your body. So these are the highest quality supplements out there on the market. Try them. You're going to love them. I used to have bottles and bottles of different supplements all lining my counter and have to count them out and put them all together. And this just makes it so easy. They all come together in one convenient packet that you can take with your morning meal or before you go to bed. It's all food-based, so it's really easy on the stomach, especially during those times in pregnancy when anything can be a little bit harsh on the stomach. Whether you're pregnant or postpartum and breastfeeding needing to replenish some of those nutrient stores, this is a great option to ensure you're getting everything your body needs. And for a limited time, we're gifting you $25 off your first purchase of the Foundation Prenatal. Simply go to sakara.com forward slash prenatal, P-R-E-N-A-T-A-L, and at checkout, use the code podcast. 25. That's S-A-K-A-R-A dot com forward slash P-R-E-N-A-T-A-L and enter podcast 25 at checkout for your $25 off your first time purchase. Okay, now back to our chat. And so I, you know, of course, reached out to Dr. Aviva Ram and told her, you know, this is what's going on. This is what my hormone levels are. And she said, you are absolutely in the normal range. Like you are not way far out there and with no hope. Like you are absolutely in the normal range to get pregnant naturally. And so we looked at it from a nutritional perspective, from a lifestyle perspective. We talked about what supplements to be taking and how to really nourish my eggs to make sure that. that they're great quality so that when I ovulated that, that they had a better chance of not miscarrying, but of being a great egg and that nourishment and, and nutrition is such a huge piece of that. 
And, you know, even though we have a nutrition company, even though we have Sakara, it still takes effort to make sure that we're eating the meals, that we're taking yes. the supplements. Yes. And that we're doing everything we can. And I think eating, we get this question all the time, like, is Sakara okay for pregnancy, for prenatal, for fertility? And I think, like, you know, there's nothing more important than nourishing with enough of these foods every single day. And that that is a huge component of how we show up in the world. And then supplementation, which maybe you can speak to because we just launched our prenatal, which is so exciting Mm -hmm. and talking about like, you know, yes, you need the food. Yes. You many times need the supplements as like a way to just make things better. But also I think for you, at least from my perspective, I almost think that you're one of those people that had to shift into taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. in a meaningful way before the baby would come. Like I, absolutely. Yeah, like I felt like, and maybe for a lot of women out there too, who like you have a really hard time prioritizing themselves and what they need and rest and, you know, stress mechanisms and coping mechanisms and things like that. I feel like you had to, it was almost like you had to build that muscle up in order to really be ready to be pregnant. Because if you don't have those tools while you're pregnant, then... (laughs) you're in trouble. Yeah, no, absolutely. I had to essentially start living as if I were pregnant. Yeah. You know, and this is three months prior that all of this has to start happening three months, a minimum of three months prior to the time that you're attempting to get pregnant. Longer the better. Yeah. That you need to build up your nutrient stores and build up your energy levels that if your body doesn't have the nutrients and the energy to support another living being, then it won't. It's going to support you first. This is one of the only times during pregnancy that your body picks you first. But yep. you know, it knows that it won't be able to take care of either of you if you don't have enough energy just to take care of you. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I had to create the space in my life and in my body for that baby which I wasn't doing before. And we've had so many clients write to us saying they used our nutrition program to help them, you know, get pregnant and, Mm -hmm. you know, used it during pregnancy and and postpartum. We have OBs and midwives that recommend our food to people, whether you're trying to get pregnant, are pregnant or breastfeeding. And I'm really excited for, especially after coming through on the other side of of what you went through to be able to launch prenatal because I know it was a, it was a helpful tool for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so excited that they come in (laughs) in these daily packs. That wasn't the case for you. (laughs) No, I know that sounds silly, but it just, it makes such a big difference. Um, I it really does. All these different bottles and trying to find out, you know, okay, what's the best multivitamin? And I think a lot of women, when they're picking a prenatal, they just pick a multivitamin. And, but the multivitamin is just step one. Like 
okay, pick your multivitamin. Is it food-based? Like ours is organic mm-hmm. and food-based. It has those factors that help you to absorb the nutrients. It's more bioavailable. It's easier on the stomach. But that's step one. And then you need to be thinking about your minerals and getting enough minerals into your body. You need to be thinking about your omegas. And I know that we both did omega tests last year and yours after having a baby were on the lower side because you give so many omegas to your baby. And also breastfeeding. I think that was what really did it for me. (laughs) Right. You really give everything. (laughs) Yeah. You're creating food out of your own body to nourish a child. (laughs) No big deal. No big deal. And probiotics. And I think, you know, for me also having my history of taking antibiotics for so much in my lifetime and doing the Accutane and putting my body through all of that prior, my immune system, I'd say, is, you know, it's more sensitive. It's not as strong as I'd say other people who haven't been through all of that. And so I have to take extra care. I have to make sure that I'm taking a good, healthy probiotic. I have to make sure I'm getting all these nutrients. I have to make sure that I'm not burning myself out and overdoing it mm-hmm. and take care of my, myself like an autoimmune condition. Yeah. And I think honestly, in this day and age, I think that's how we all have to act. I mean, absolutely. when you hear, I just heard a podcast with Dr. Hyman and he was talking about the exposome and just like, it's basically how many toxins we're exposed to. And it's so overwhelming, you guys. Like I, I don't like scare tactics, but like it's so far beyond what we could even like conceive or think of because it's just in everything. And then typically, you know, toxology reports or how we study toxology is they look at how one chemical interacts with your body and at different titration, at different amounts. But what's happening right now, you know, in 2020 is like after decades of toxic exposure, what are the synergistic qualities of how all of these toxins, so from the flame retardants on your chair to, you know, the BPA on receipts to the glyphosate in our water and our food to, I mean, it's, it's so overwhelming. And so, you know, just making sure that as we think about treating ourselves with care, it's like we all have to be, we all have to do the work, the extra work that, yeah, maybe our grandparents didn't have to do to maintain healthy body, mind, soul. And so, you know, like food being a foundation, I think supplementing is important where, yeah, maybe my grandfather lived to 99 and I don't think he ever took a supplement, (laughs) but you know, food has changed. Food has Mm -hmm. changed a lot. Meaningfully, it contains many less nutrients than it did. And so we have to all take that care. And I think a lot of women start to recognize their nutritional gaps when they get pregnant. Like, oh, I need to take extra folate and, you know, omegas and all these different things. But okay, yes, you need to be filling your nutritional gaps to support your growing baby. But we all need to be filling these nutritional gaps all the time to support our own 
bodies mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. are constantly healing and, and repairing it themselves. So, you know, it's, it's not just during pregnancy that we need to be really taking care of ourselves like this, but all the time. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that like I, that really helped me is I bless, I, I, I got pregnant, you know, on the first try, maybe second try, I don't know, really quickly with the first and we thought we were ready and then we were pregnant and we're like, okay, guess we have to be ready. And the same happened with the second. And I think that, you know, that can be just as much of a shock sometimes too, is like asking yourself if you're ready. And then I thought I'd have time to get pregnant. You know, they say that a healthy couple takes a year. So both times I was kind of like, okay, well, it could be six months to a year. And one of the books that I really love was Spirit Babies. And it's something that now I give to every woman that's like either thinking about kids or is pregnant, has lost a child. So for any of you out there that are, you know, thinking about this, or especially those of you that are having a hard time, I think nourishing first and foremost, and you'll know what that means for you. And part of the nourishment for me was, of course, food, of course, supplements, but also really connecting to the spiritual side of what it means to bring another human. And you touched on it earlier, but it's like you are part of the equation. Absolutely. You have to create the space emotionally, physically, spiritually. You have to, you know, create a healthy vessel to bring life into this world. But then there is this other component that we maybe don't understand. And this like spiritual realm of where do our children come from? We can all have lots of beliefs around that, religious or otherwise. But Spirit Babies helped me really just remember that one of the other, you know, one of the many reasons to not blame ourselves and have guilt around this journey is that there is another being that has a lot of say about when they come into the world and how they come into the world. And this ended up playing a huge part in my life for my first pregnancy because I don't feel like I gave her the space to have a say in our birth plan. And I feel like I was, I always think there, every woman has these humbling moments throughout, you know, fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, whatever it is, like you're going to be brought to your knees in some way or another. And I think that's part of the becoming a mother. But, you know, I had a birth plan that I was very adamant about. And I don't think I ever stopped to just ask Star, like, okay, we're pregnant. We're doing this together because this is not me birthing you. This is us, you know, us birthing you. And my plan was not her plan (laughs) at all. And I think I've really brought that lesson. I've tried to bring in that lesson into this pregnancy of just holding space and trying to really listen and not just take the driver, like sit in the driver's seat like I'm used to doing and being like, this is what we're doing and now we're doing this. But to just let, I've been asking for signs and asking for, you know, guidance on on how we're going to bring this next little spirit into the world. Yeah, that's really interesting, really interesting perspective to take. 
and to remember to just be open to how it plays out. That you can have all the plans in the entire world, (laughs) but, you know, and to not judge yourself or, yeah, get upset if, if they don't turn out that way, because like you said, it's not all up to you. And there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of unknowns. And I think there are lessons that each of us need to go through in order to be the mom that they need. Mm. And, you know, I, I really wanted a home birth and I really wanted a natural birth. And I ended up after two days of labor and pushing, having an emergency C-section. And I had a lot of judgment around my mother choosing a C-section. My mother also didn't breastfeed and I had a lot of judgment around that. And I think that going through it myself healed that in a way where I don't, I don't know if I could have done it without that experience. And it humbled me to like what it means to bring life into this world. And it doesn't matter how, it matters how empowered you are. It matters, is it your decision? Do you feel like you have a say do you feel like you get to be your own advocate like I'm speaking specifically kind of in the medical with the medical lens on like in this world where birth is very medicalized and you know for me with birth number one thank god and for so many women out there but I think less now that I've learned like less than kind of deciding this is like a good birth versus a bad birth I think the best birth is a birth with an empowered woman. Mm-hmm. And what do you think goes into feeling empowered? Like how, how do you get to that point of feeling empowered? I think it's so different. I mean, you even spoke to it about your fertility, your fertility doctor, just yeah. how easily we are asked to give up our power to the quote expert. And just because they've seen 2,000 pregnancies or 2,000 fertility issues, you know, it doesn't make them an expert on your body. Mm. And I think it is the, 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 the biggest gift as a mother is your intuition. Like you'll realize that you know what's best for your child better than any other being on this planet. And I think this is the time to start practicing listening to that intuition and then acting on it. So, you know, if you, I never thought I'd say yes to a C-section, like never, ever, ever. But when the midwife looked at me after seven hours of pushing, and I think she was trying to like, you know, rightfully so like scare me into like, okay, this is your last chance. She's like, I think we might have to do a C-section. I said, I think we have to. Like I, I just knew and I surrendered and I think that's the practice. That's kind of the voice we have to start to cultivate as a mother. And it happens, it happens in pregnancy. It happens in birth. And I think part of what goes into it also is being informed where Mm -hmm. if I didn't have other information other than what the fertility doctor was saying to me, then I would just think that was my only option and that, you know, whatever he said was the way that it was. But I think being exposed to 
other opinions, other knowledge, other experts, a different a community of of people who think differently and supporting that way of thinking helped me feel empowered to say, no, this isn't right for me. And, you know, I'm saying that it's not right for me. Like it's absolutely right for other people, but it was that same voice. Like when I decided, no, I'm going to stop taking antibiotics and Accutane and I'm going to go back to listening to my body and setting it self up for success the best that I can. It was that same voice speaking to, to me in that moment saying like, no, you can do this. You need to really give your body a chance. And, and I said, okay, I'm going to try this plan for three more months and see how it goes. And if it doesn't work out, then I can still go down that path with that doctor. But I need to listen to my intuition to this voice that's telling me yeah. that it's not the answer and try it. And maybe, you know, for, I, we have so many friends that have had successful IVF stories and maybe their intuition was, this is the path I need to go down and that's okay too. And yeah. I, to me, that's where empowerment comes from is right. listening and then acting on what you're hearing, even if it's not what you want to hear. Yeah. And sometimes it's not an easy decision to make, but, you know, I think the more that we can tune into, yeah, what our, what our hearts are telling us, what that gut intuition is telling us, then the more empowered we'll feel in making that decision. Yeah. Well, I don't know if we touched on anything that we... <laughs> set out to talk about yeah but you know to be expected when the two of us get on is there anything else that like you just want anyone out there to know that is maybe thinking about this journey or is in the middle of this journey or I think one thing that is empowering to me is just knowing how many women out there are are with you on this journey that have been through fertility journeys, have been through pregnancy journeys, through birth journeys, through breastfeeding journeys and motherhood journeys, and have been doing this for thousands of years. And, you know, I'm sure even thousands of years ago, women were having different challenges and talking to each other about those challenges. And so I hope that we can continue to have more conversations and help empower women through knowledge, through communication and openness like this so that no mother feels alone in this journey. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I would add that I think any fears or anxieties anyone has around this journey, whether it's getting pregnant, being pregnant, raising a child, like they're all so normal and it's not reflective of how good of a parent you will be or, yeah, or what the outcome will be. But I think it is a time where I think we have to decide that we're enough, that we are worthy and I think we have to have that conversation with ourselves because I think 
the good news is most of the time we're in our own way, <laughs> which can be really frustrating. And I'm not even speaking in terms of fertility only. I'm talking about everything like, you know, am I going to be a good enough parent? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be able to breastfeed? And am I going to, and I think sitting in our power and deciding that we're worthy and really doing the work to believe that. I think that's the best gift that we can give our children. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like we're going to have to have a follow-up. I know we didn't even get to like raising children. (laughs) We barely got to birth. I I haven't been through birth yet and I don't have any children to talk about raising We'll do a part two when both of us are on the other side of this pregnancy. What's to come. Yes, indeed. But Well, I love you and I'm so happy for you and I'm so excited to meet this little spirit that has so wisely chosen you and I miss you. Well, love you too and excited that we get to raise these babies together. Yeah. Hopefully in real life, not virtually. Exactly, not over Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. If you have a Sakara story that you would like to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at sakarastories at sakaralife.com. That's S-A-K-A-R-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S at sakaralife.com or send us a DM at sakaralife. Don't forget to hit subscribe for the Sakara Life podcast and share this episode with anyone you think needs to hear what we talked about today. And don't forget about the light work. It might feel a little hard, a little uncomfortable, but it's supposed to. The whole idea is that we lean into what's uncomfortable so we all get to shine our lights a little brighter. And we'll see you on the other side, Sakara Lights. <laughs>